Hey there, welcome to Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do. That we do. We are back to the 70s, baby. That's right. Oh, yeah. Uh, Last week, Scott showed me Casino. And this week, I'm showing Scott a more modern picture. Modern? Yes, from the 2010s. And it is also set in the 70s. Groovy, far out and things. Indeed. So, Scotty, what movie did I show you today? Well... We followed some nice guys with the nice guys. Ah, released in 2016. This movie, A, it's, it's a Shane Black vehicle, but it also feels slightly like it's paying some homage to Tarantino as well at points. Uh, in a way, sure. It's definitely got a noir type thing going on, and we all know that uh, Tarantino likes his classic film references sort of brought into the modern age. It does have a whiff of that, sure. But it is definitely a Shane Black vehicle. That is also accurate. Uh, It was directed and co-written by Shane Black, who wrote the Lethal Weapon films, but also... Back in the dark ages of Shoot the Flick, we talked about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and also Long Kiss Goodnight. I don't know if that was in the dark ages. No, I think Long Kiss was in the better audio quality age. Yes, but both of those movies had a very distinct style thanks to Shane Black. Shane Black was also in Predator, which we did an episode on back in the dark ages. But yeah, he definitely, like some directors and writers like you know a Tarantino or even like a Wes Anderson he definitely has his regulars that he uses we'll talk about a couple of those in here but also he's got a very distinct dialogue style oh yeah you can tell a Shane Black movie almost just by listening to it you almost don't have to watch it you just listen to the dialogue and you're like okay this is a Shane Black movie it's almost like a not uh to the extent of Aaron Sorkin but it's got very like quick paced dialogue I would say oh yeah this is definitely a movie I'm gonna need to watch again because I'm sure I missed things sure I mean this is my second time watching it and I actually forgot how good it was like I remember it being good when I first saw it uh, full disclosure, back when this came out, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, my sole reason for wanting to watch it was Ryan Gosling, because I've always had a soft spot in my heart for Ryan Gosling. Uh, it's also kind of interesting that this movie coincides a lot with several actors that are currently being talked about now as either being in or being considered for awards in Oscar-y movies this year. We'll also mention that as we go through. But it is kind of interesting. Another thing that's really notable in this movie, seeing as how we are connecting it with Casino in our little 70s block here, it's got a kick-ass soundtrack. Oh, yeah. 
you know any 70s song that's very 70s that you can think of is probably in this movie somewhere i wrote down some highlights we'll also mention those as we go through but you know you got the temptations here you got cool in the gang bgs earth wind and fire you got kiss in here like it's you know it's just all over the place but in like a really fun way overall i think that's the best way to describe this movie is just like just fun well yeah even if you don't like a Shane Black movie, they tend to have some fun moments to them. Like, I love Long Kiss Goodnight. I think Sam Jackson and Gina Davis sell that so well. Mm-hmm. And in this one, you have Gosling, and honestly, I feel like an underrated performance from Russell Crowe. Sure. I mean, he's got Shane Black's got a thing for like the buddy comedy, not buddy comedy necessarily, but buddy cop buddy adventure type situation duo yeah he's got a duo thing going on with kiss kiss bang bang it was val kilmer and rdj long kiss goodnight it was gina davis and sam jackson this it's crow and gosling who i think as far as gosling is concerned like this is one of the first real true blue comedic performances i remember seeing of gosling because he's generally known for more dramatic performances. I mean, the same year as this, La La Land came out and was an Oscar darling, obviously, of that year. But it didn't win. Uh, no, it did not. <laughs> but now, I feel like because of this movie, people were able to really appreciate Ryan Gosling's comedic chops. And, you know, you fast forward to seven years later, and obviously we've got the ultimate comedic performance of probably his career so far ken in the barbie movie so this movie is definitely prophetic at least in that way yeah he's definitely morphed into one of our better actors of today Hmm, it's interesting that you say that scott because i feel like you've never really given ryan gosling his zeal i feel like because whenever i mention the notebook scott Uh, cringes in terror well that's a different story and that's just a bad movie Oh, you know, I disagree, but okay. Uh, I also do want to mention the co-writer of this movie, Anthony Bagarazzi, who this is his first screenplay that he's ever done, and he obviously had the help of Shane Black in it. But I did want to mention that Anthony Bagarazzi is now, other than this, he is credited as a co-writer on the remake of Roadhouse, (laughs) Ooh, okay. So we're getting the vibe of what this guy is and what Shane Black, we obviously know, is. So just consider that little gumbo we got swirling around in here of, you know, action, cheesy, schlocky goodness. B-movie-esque. Yeah. Just on a side note, I don't know. Like, they've been talking about that Roadhouse remake for Forever. so long. Forever, yeah, it's true. I mean, the strike obviously didn't help put anything. kibosh on yeah. a lot of things. But yeah, this, I mean, now that you said B-movie, this really does come off like a very polished 70s B-movie Well, yeah, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Well, because you got to think about it. We're in such a different age than the detective story. Uh-huh. We don't get like the Maltese Falcon yeah, stuff anymore. It's, it's marketed as a neo noir. Yeah, it kind which of. kind of makes sense in a way. It's just one of those things like we don't get this very often now, except now Ryan Johnson is trying to bring it back with Knives Out, and then of course we got every Hercule Poirot movie. Oh God. 
I think this definitely has a more funky style to it, though, than the smoothies. Yes. Which is appreciated. So are you ready to just jump into this thing, Scotty, head first? Are you ready to go to the 1977 Los Angeles and just have ourselves a time? Um, I'm always ready. Oh, boy. So we open up right off the bat with a kick-ass 70s song. We got Papa Was a Rolling Stone by The Temptations. Papa was a rolling stone. taking us into the vibe we got some nice 70s font to really uh help us dive in here and we have our somewhat cold open with a a little boy in a house looking at a porno mag at famous quote-unquote famous porn star misty mountain and i want to mention this little boy he's played by ty simpkins who is harley in Iron Man 3. That's... I, uh, I'm I looked at him, I'm like, he looks familiar. Yes, and considering that Shane Black is behind Iron Man 3, which, you know, say what you want about that movie. I think it's whatever, it's fine. But, um, yeah, yes. it all comes back to Marvel at the it, end. That's every- what we all have to remember, kids. Marvel will never die. It will always be here. Sorry, Marty. Well, you th- <laughs> yeah, sorry, Marty. Well, you figure with what now, 40-some-odd movies or close to it? Like, it's kind of hard to be like, hey, this person hasn't been in a Marvel movie. (laughs) So, this kid in the house, one second he's reading, or reading, (laughs) he's looking at a porno mag. (laughs) Yes, yes, he's he's, he's just reading the the classified. (laughs) Right, obviously. And then the next second, Misty Mountain is literally crashing in her car through this kid's house and nearly hits him and kills him. I want to point out, the kid steals the porno mag from under his parents bed his parents are out cold the car comes flying through the house still his parents seemingly have not woken up to a car going through his house yeah that's hilarious they must have been on all the fucking nyquil in the house i don't know (laughs) i I could just imagine the next morning going what the hell but yeah uh, misty mountain looks at the kid as she's like dying going how do you like my car big boy and you're like Huh? Huh? <laughs> and the kid like covers her her tatas with his <laughs> shirt. Such a gentleman. Such a gentleman. And then yeah, we get our kind of opening credits after that and that's our cold open. Um just so everyone is aware, it's a mystery as we said, right? It involves a government conspiracy Combined with, like, the auto industry, combined with environment shit. Um, If you're looking for, like, an in-depth analysis, Martin Scorsese style of the ins and outs of this government conspiracy, (laughs) I'm not going to give it to you. Watch the fucking movie if you want. I really couldn't even tell you all the details of it. I don't I couldn't even tell you with 100% certainty that the conspiracy itself makes sense. But at the end of the day, and I think Sal will agree with me, the ins and outs of the conspiracy itself doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't. It's, it just matters. All you need to know is that there's a conspiracy. Yes, if you really want to dive into the conspiracy, it would get very muddled very quickly. Right, which is why I'm not going to get into the details of it. <laughs> no, just know the birds work for the bourgeoisie and you're fine. Right, yes. If it flies, it spies. <laughs> Remember that. 
There is a bee theme in this, though. Obviously, bees aren't birds, but if it flies, it's spice. So the bees in uh, the movie, yes. you know what I mean? There's yeah, J- Jerry Seinfeld, yeah. Right. Yes. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> this is a secret fucking uh, prequel to the bee movie. That's a real conspiracy. God damn it. Okay. I just wanted to make sure everyone was aware that if I mentioned a conspiracy, it exists. It's not really important. It's not. It doesn't matter. It's just a thing that exists. Okay. So we get the introductions of our main characters here. We are introduced to Jackson Healy, played by Russell Crowe. We've obviously talked about Russell Crowe in the past. More recently, he was Zeus in Thor Love and Thunder. Remember that? Yes. Guys, you remember? Yeah, it's funny because Russell Crowe has this persona in life of being a tough guy. Yes. And it's funny because I feel like this is the most down-to-earth role I think I've ever seen him in. Sure. Um, but what about Javert, dear? Wasn't oh, he God. laid back and chill? Remember when we did our review of Les Mis? Oh, uh, yeah. Wasn't that fun for you? Yeah, so much fun. <laughs> but Jackson is sort of like a heavy. He yeah. makes his living by taking payments from people to basically beat the shit out of other people when need be. Yeah, he's a professional tough guy, basically. Yeah, that's, yeah. When we first meet him, somebody has paid him to go kick the shit out of an adult who's sleeping with a 13-year-old. Fun. We love a guy that beats the fuck out of pedophiles. That's fun. So, you know. Cool. You're, you're like, okay, cool. I accept. Where were you in Casino when Lester was running around, huh? Where were you then, Jackson? California. True. You're like, this is good. He's a good guy, you know. He, well, yeah. Well. <laughs> and he also kills people. Well, we don't know that at this point. Well. We well, just know we he. We can infer. He, he, he punches a pedophile in the face. We're automatically somewhat on this guy's side. Okay, fair enough. We also meet a guy named Holland March, played by Ryan Gosling. Now, we've obviously talked about Ryan before. He did Crazy Stupid Love five years before this. That was a fun movie. But Holland is a fuck up yes holland march is for sure a fuck up he is a widowed private investigator he's kind of a drunk (laughs) but he's just kind of a 'er ne'er-do-well fuck up single dad who's trying to just keep his shit together and uh yeah we also meet his 13 year old daughter holly played by ann gary rice uh she was 15 years old the movie's release she plays Betty in the MCU, Spider-Man's. Ah, yes. Fun. But she's also going to be playing Katie, which is Lindsay Lohan's role in the Mean Girls musical that comes out next year. Oh, I did not know they were making it into a movie. Oh, honey, where have you been? Uh, I don't follow. I, just... I mean, I'm going to be honest. I feel like I might get flogged, but I never really got on the Mean Girls train with that movie. I didn't see that movie when it came out. And when I saw it, I was like, this is fine. Why does everyone go crazy about this? And then I've never actually seen the musical for that reason. I know I'm a musical gal. We all know I'm the resident musical nerd on this show. But like, whatever. I don't care as much about the Mean Girls musical. (laughs) Sorry. There were a couple movies when we were like younger in high school that were just like, okay, yeah, whatever. They became gigantic. And I was like, I never understood the fascination of that. Mm. Like Mean Girls, Superbad, Napoleon Dynamite, never got it. Yeah, I never was super into Superbad either. (laughs) I don't know, man. I missed the boat on Mean Girls. But she's really good, too, in this movie, uh, Anne Gary Rice. 
So we meet up with March, uh, our good old Ryan Gosling PI, and he is meeting with this old lady, Mrs. Glenn, who wants March to find her niece, Misty Mountain, because she claims that she saw her after her infamous death in the car accident. So March starts investigating and it somehow leads him into looking for this girl, Amelia. She's played by Margaret Qualley, who this is her second film role ever. And I think she also did a really good job in this movie. She actually had a show on Netflix, I want to say, called Made that I heard was really good. She's also, uh, Scott might know this a little better. You know, from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Yes. You know, the girl that gets in the car with Brad Pitt and wants yes. to suck him off? That's Margaret Qualley. Ah. But funnily enough, you know how I mentioned before how quite a few of the actors in this movie are currently in Oscar movies that are coming out this year. Margot Qualley has a supporting role in the movie Poor Things, directed by a guy who has a really long name that I can't pronounce, but he's the guy that did fucking The Lobster and Killing of a Sacred ah, Deer. Yes, 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 yes. Poor Things is supposed to be a really strange movie, but supposedly supposed to be really good. Love I know Emma Stone's being talked about, Mark Ruffalo getting buzzed like you know it's supposed to be really good what a shock that guy does a weird movie i'm shocked by that right true 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 but yeah so amelia hearing that some random guy is looking for her goes to jack russell crowe and says hey uh, i'm gonna give you some money can you go find this guy march and like scare him off like uh, you know he's freaking me out a little bit and he's like sure so we because of that, get the first meeting between Jack and March, which is a fucking great scene. I feel like it immediately gets you right into the heart of this movie, which is the relationship between Jack and March and their chemistry together. Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling have an amazing chemistry together. Yeah, and you wouldn't expect that necessarily. No, I don't think so. But they, they do work really well together with Healy coming in here and just beating the living shit out of March. There's one point, like, March keeps trying to pull a gun on him and Healy just keeps knocking it away from him until the point where he breaks his arm and goes, okay, you're going to tell the doctor that <laughs> this is a circular fracture of your arm. And he goes, what? What? No, 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 no. When he tries to grab his arm too, this is like a great showing of Ryan Gosling's comedic chops just in the scene because Russell Crowe just tries to grab his arm and he's being so casual about it. He's like, all right, give me your arm. He's like, no, no. <laughs> when he breaks it, uh, Ryan Gosling just squeals like the highest pitched squeal. Deep breath. <laughs> Healy is so casual about it. Oh, yeah, because he comes off and gives the impression like, listen, I don't care who you're working for, or, like what side you're on, quote unquote. Like, I just get paid the money and I do what they ask me to do. And then I take my ass home like just stay away from Amelia and I won't have to come back. Okay, bye. And then he leaves and he actually runs into Ryan Gosling's daughter, Holly, when he leaves. And she's like, hey, you want a Yoo-Hoo, buddy? And she, he's like, sure. <laughs> and then in the next scene, you see him walking around with like a big case of Yoo-Hoo. It's just like a nice little touch. Well, yeah, because he's like, I haven't had a Yoo-Hoo in like 30 years. Oh, my God. So then we see Jack after this whole sequence go to his apartment. Which is above a club. Sure, because, you know, guys like that who kind of live off the grid 
on the edge of they always live above something they live above a deli or a restaurant or a club or a laundromat they always live above something you're not wrong when we get to jack's apartment there are two thugs waiting to see him and they're asking about amelia they want to know where amelia is one of the thugs is played by a guy we talked about very recently yes keith david He's an iconic actor with an iconic voice, but we just talked about him recently when we did Princess and the Frog. He played Dr. Facilier. And what I love about this movie is he doesn't even have a name. He's just credited as older guy. That's literally his name in the movie, older guy. And I'm like, okay. And I guess because the first thug, he's not credited as younger guy. He's credited as something else. We'll talk about that in a second. But he's a youngerish guy. He's like a guy in his 30s. He's like getting pissed off at Russell Crowe and acting like an asshole and trying to force Russell Crowe to eat his own fish. Yeah, he's killing the poor guy's fish. I'm like, all right. Even Russell Crowe is just like, listen, I understand you want your information. You got to do what you got to do, but be a professional about it. (laughs) And then all of a sudden uh, we realize why the second thug is named what he's named. He goes rummaging through Russell Crowe's stuff in the apartment. He finds a bag full of money. And Russell Crowe warns him. He's like, oh, no, no, don't mess with that because I'm holding it for a friend. It's got a thing in it. And sure enough, before he can even get the sentence out, a dye pack blows up in the guy's face. It's blue everywhere. And the second thug earns his name Blueface. Yeah. Because <laughs> he, for the rest of his time in the movie, he's got a blue face. So, uh, yeah. So they they try to torture this information out of Russell Crowe. They fail. He gets away. Because he's Russell Crowe and he's the man. Well, not only that. Okay, so this is another thing I want to talk about in this movie. There are so many background characters that just bite the dust randomly in the movie. Oh, yeah. Like, Bluey and Keith David are shooting at Russell Crowe. And as he dodges, a bullet goes through the window and hits another person in the other apartment who's yeah. just like out, getting just, out of the shower. Just no-name extras get killed very easily in this movie, which, I mean, I appreciate because I feel like in other action movies, the periphery body count for all of this mayhem is never really given any credence or any time to like be like, oh, fuck, we just killed some random lady. So I, I appreciate that in this movie, actually. But uh, Jack gets away, and he actually goes to find March, who at this point, it's like the next day or whatever, and he's at a bowling alley at um, some kid's birthday party or well, something it's, with it's, his daughter. It, is it his daughter's birthday? It's his daughter's birthday. Oh, that's okay. Because that's interesting. his daughter calls him earlier randomly when he's in a suit in the bathtub. Yeah, you know, as you do. As you do. This guy is very depressed. Ryan Gosling plays depressed really hilariously, which is strange, but I mean, hey. But his, <laughs> his daughter calls him and goes, I want to remind you, my birthday is on Thursday. So they're at the bowling alley at Holly's birthday party with her friends. Uh, fucking Kiss is playing over the radio. And all of a sudden we get the bathroom scene, which is like, I think one of the more iconic scenes in the movie. Where Ryan Gosling's in the bathroom stall and Russell Crowe approaches him and he's like, listen, I don't want to hurt you. I just want to talk. And Ryan Gosling's like, you broke my fucking arm. And he's got this cast on through the whole movie that he's got to contend with. And then just the physical comedy in the scene of Ryan Gosling constantly having to open and reopen. And he drops his pants and the cigarette and he's trying to keep the door open and intimidate Russell Crowe. And he's just, Russell Crowe's just cool as a cucumber. Like, dude, come on. I just want to (laughs) talk. 
eventually they sit down and talk and they decide to work together to find Amelia and figure out what the hell's going on. The other thing I want to bring up, because Shane Black does this too, he has adult kids. And what I mean by that is the kids act older than they are actually. Sure. I think with Holly, it's believable because she's been through some shit. She lost her mother. Her mother passed away. She has a depressed alcoholic for a father. I mean, he's clearly he's trying to do his best and he loves his kid, but he's a bit of a fuck up. So when, you know, kids go through trauma, they have to grow up a little faster. Yeah. And she's 13. She's not like seven. So it it makes sense. It's not too much, I don't think. With it, Holly. No, it's not too much. I'm just saying because it's funny because not only does Russell Crowe have chemistry with Gosling, mm-hmm. he has chemistry with Holly. Yeah. Because they have a fun relationship, too, where Holly, the first time they, we have the Yoohoo scene, which was cute. That was cute, but then the next scene is funny. Where she's like, right. oh, can you beat up my friend, blah, 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 blah. He goes, uh, He's like, how much? much? <laughs> <laughs> and Ryan Gosling's like, uh, uh, no. <laughs> like, I'm cutting off this conversation right now. But it is cool because she bonds with Jack as well throughout the movie, and she kind of becomes a moral barometer for him. You know, it's obvious that she is going to be tied to Ryan Gosling morally because he obviously wants to be better for his daughter. But throughout the movie, the bond that Holly and Jack have is also really special because he doesn't want to let her down. Yeah, it it hit me in a way that I was like, wasn't expecting. And I'm like, okay, I like this, you know. Yeah. So the guys start working together. They end up tracking down Amelia's friends in her protest group. It's an environmental fucking thing. Remember, conspiracy, environment plays a role in it. So she has an environmental protest group. Oh, my God. This scene is, it is kind of funny. so funny because it's just these kids are protesting the bad the air, air yeah, in air Los pollution. Angeles. Like, they're like... It killed us, man. They keep trying to ask them questions. Like, we're dead, man. We're, we can't yeah, answer we your can't questions. Yeah, we can't talk to you. And Russell Crowe looks at them at one point and goes, "You're but all you're wearing all gas, gas masks. masks. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that have saved you?" And they're all like, "Uh." <laughs> but then Ryan Gosling's like, "Who wants to make twenty bucks?" And then one guy raises his hand. This guy Chet, fucking Chet. Yeah, he comes back later in the movie, so I do want to mention he's played by a young guy named Jack Kilmer. Kilmer, Kilmer Val? Bueller. Val. Yeah. He's Val's son, uh, which makes sense because Val was in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and now they got his son in the in the movie with Shane Black again. Isn't that nice? Ah, it's full circle. But yes, Chet ends up taking the guys to Amelia's boyfriend's house, which has burned down completely. Her boyfriend actually died because of it. And we get some exposition here. A neighborhood kid rides by on his bicycle, and they question him, and he explains that the boyfriend this guy was a filmmaker and he was working on an experimental film quote unquote porn porn but you know with some investigative journalism kind of sprinkled in there maybe sort of yes because you know what i enjoy (laughs) in my porn a message a storyline that's what i'm here for Right. Of course. Yeah, that's what every guy wants in his porn. So, um, As I'm watching two people fuck, I'm going, you know what? I should care more about the environment. Right. Obviously. <laughs> Everyone wants, you know, environmental guilt while they jack off. <laughs> 
so um, we kind of learn of the players that kind of came together to make this experimental film. We had the boyfriend who's dead in the fire. We have Amelia. We have Misty Mountain. And we have this porn producer guy named Sid Shattuck. And they all came together to make this movie. And apparently two of the people that were contributing to make this movie are now dead. And there are people out there looking for another person, Amelia. That were So there's shit going down here. So we figured... Our best course of action is now to go find Sid Shattuck. Mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe are like, okay, so we're going to go to this party that's happening at Sid Shattuck's place. And you can tell it's a 70s party because they're playing Earth, Wind, and Fire. They're playing September. That's a 70s song. <laughs> yes, it is. It's For a, sure. It's a great fucking song. It, it is really a good song. Is. It is. They're at this porn party, and of course, Holly sneaks into the trunk of the car and sneaks into the party. Oh my god, yeah. She has this line, too, because Brian Gosling finds her in the trunk and sends her home in a cab. Of course, she sneaks back in later on, but she's looking around. She's like, oh, Dad, look, there are whores and stuff. And <laughs> Ryan Gosling just goes, honey, we talked about this. Don't say and stuff. Just say there are whores here. <laughs> and I was like, that was a good line. The guys end up looking around the party. We find out from Jack, I think, that the movie's missing. We kind of assume it burned in the fire, maybe, but it was called How Do You Like My Car, Big Boy? Ah. Which, ah, is Misty Mountain's last dying words. Interesting. But we also find out from Holland, March, that he is a drunk cowboy. (laughs) Oh, he is a very drunk cowboy. He literally gets drunk in like two seconds and is like flirting with some girl dressed like Pocahontas. And of course she's white. It's fine. It's the 70s. That's totally normal. Yes. (laughs) Totally fine. But yeah, I couldn't help but get a giggle out of that because the first like line that he gives this girl is like i'm a cowboy <laughs> seven years later he plays ken in the barbie movie as a little cowboy i'm like oh he really is a cowboy holly is secretly like doing the best detective work yeah she's like you know looking around talking to people trying to find amelia and she ends up sitting in a car with Blueface, which we'll talk about but before we get there as Ryan Gosling is flirting with this white woman dressed like Pocahontas, he ends up accidentally falling off of the landing, like out of the fucking terrace and tumbles down a hill. And he just happens to tumble and stumble into Sid Shattuck's dead body. Oh, yeah. Yay. Honey, um, do, do you want to know uh, how this connects to another shane black regular how this particular scene oh i don't know how how oh well i'll tell you do you know what infamous i would say shane black regular was playing sid shattuck's dead corpse (laughs) i don't know if there's another kind of corpse other than a dead corpse but would you like to know (laughs) who was playing him who was playing him robert downey fucking jr (laughs) In a press-on beard and dead fucking makeup. 
was playing Sid Shattuck's body. And of course, we have to mention him as an actual cast member, even though he was uncredited. And <laughs> he is also this year being considered heavily, I think, for an Oscar for his role in Oppenheimer, which I would argue is much less serious than this. Because, I mean, he didn't die in Oppenheimer. He's got to play a dead body in this. It's very serious. You got to well, hold your breath and shit. Oh, yeah. You know. <laughs> you got to hold your breath and he had to like perfectly prop himself against a tree and shit. And not laugh when Ryan Gosling was is... <laughs> doing like a cartoon reaction when he saw a dead body. He's like, Healy, <sighs> Healy. It's so funny. But uh, yeah, I just thought that was a little fun fact for you. That was very fun. So yeah, we run into Sid Shattuck's dead body. Ryan Gosling also sees Amelia very briefly and she runs off, but he's so drunk he doesn't realize that it's Amelia. So it's just kind of pointless. Jack ends up fighting the older guy, Keith David, again because he shows up. And then meanwhile, Blueface, hearing that someone's looking for Amelia, gets holly in a car with him and is just being generally creepy and horrible and then he sees amelia trying to get away tries to shoot her holly stops him and then holly jumps out of the car and runs off into the night with amelia and Blueface runs after him jack and march get in another car and drive after them and it's this whole big chase to the point where Blueface gets hit by some random car. As you do in the middle of the night on the road when there's no lights and shit. Yeah, exactly. And Amelia, like, bolts. And Holly's like, we gotta do something. So she looks to Healy, who's the only other adult there, and goes, we gotta go get help. And Healy goes, okay, you go looking for help. Yeah, you go try to flag a car down, sweetie. He goes and sits over Blueface as he's clearly suffering and dying. Blueface tells Jack that someone named John Boy is coming for them and he's going to kill them all. Blah. And Jack just ends up choking him to death. Holly comes back over and is suspicious. But later on, she straight up asks Jack, like, did you kill that man? And Jack is like, no, no, of course not. And she's like, oh, I knew you couldn't do something like that, Jack. And he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> this child thinks I'm a good person. Fuck. <laughs> oh, no. It, that definitely sets up sort of a morality thing that comes up later in the movie where, you know, he's Jack's used to doing things one way his whole life and it's gotten him where he's at. But also he looks at Holly, who is young and bright eyed and bushy tailed. And has definitely got more of a strong moral compass. And, you know, it, it's just kind of a look right in the mirror at, like, who he really is. Well, and yeah. Who he wants to be. He wants to be better for Holly. And he wants to be the person that Holly thinks that he is. And it's a nice setup for moral issues that come on later in well, the movie. Both our main characters are morally flawed. Of course. The question does come up quite frequently. Are you a good person? But, like, after this whole debacle, we get, like, some qu more quiet bonding moments. Like, you know, Jack and Holly have that moment. And it's actually, it takes place in this empty lot that Holly is often seen just sitting in and reading. And Jack asks her, like, why do you always come here? And she's like, this is where our house used to be with my mom and dad and me. And she tells Jack that, they 
used to have a house here. My dad used to be a police officer and everything. And he has a problem with his nose that he can't smell. So there was a gas leak in the house and he couldn't tell. And he either lit a cigarette or something and the house went up and he always has blamed himself and clearly that's kind of what has led we infer to his drinking and his own depression depression right and so that endears us to march a little more because he really is just a good guy that wants to do good but he's just so wrapped up in his own guilt and depression and he doesn't really know how to get out of it it seems but then we get a backstory with jack as well that kind of endears this to him because when they talk to the police or whatever the police recognize him from a diner incident and when ryan gosling presses him further about that he says oh i was at a diner and some guy was holding it up and i you know i tackled him and i got shot in the arm in the process but i saved you know a bunch of people and the police and the news and stuff said i was like a hero and it felt nice it felt nice to be a hero blah but, blah, uh, blah. but no one pays for your medical bills five hundred dollars right. right oh fi- that was hilarious too i mean not for nothing five hundred dollars in medical bills and nobody helped me you know they all called me a hero but they didn't do anything to help me i was like five hundred dollars for a gunshot wound like five hundred dollars for a, a hospital stay for a gunshot wound all right let's go back to the 1970s <laughs> i never yeah. thought i'd say that but let's go back just for the the health care alone <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of bad things there too frankly i understand but like you know <laughs> five hundred dollars you got to imagine he was at least there for a couple of days. He almost died, apparently. Like, $500 for a couple of days in the hospital? Oh, God. So, after we get some endearing bonding moments with our, our trio here, with Jack and March and Holly, we end up meeting Amelia's mom, Judith, who's played by Kim Basinger. And she is working for the Department of Justice. She's the head of the Department of Justice. Yes, yes. She's part of the conspiracy, guys. Remember the conspiracy government? So she gives a little bit of insight into Amelia. She's like, oh, you know, she's just a free spirit. And she's rebelling. Yeah, she did. And she thinks I'm the enemy. But I need you to find her so you can I can have her home safe. And it's like, okay. Yeah, uh, you need to protect her. And we also meet Judith's assistant, Tally, who's played by Yaya DaCosta, who I remember as the runner-up from America's Next Top Model back in the day. But she's also an actress. I think now she's on one of those like NBC or CBS medical shows. But yeah, she should also do really good in this movie. Ryan Gosling has a little crush on her because obviously. So we go back and they get a tip that Amelia is at an airport hotel. There's some fun little moments, but they end up going up to where Amelia is, and there are people getting shot from one of the windows, and they immediately go back downstairs. Yeah, that was funny. They peek their heads out, and people are bleeding and getting shot everywhere, and it's like, oh, nope, okay, bye. <laughs> and I then think... they literally watch a guy go flying out the window. Yeah, because the elevator is a glass elevator that's pointed outside, and they watch a guy fly out it's... the window and yeah. go... Yeah, and then they're just sitting in the car like, well, what do we do now? And... Uh... <laughs> Russell Crowe's like, well, we gotta go back and save Amelia. And Ryan Gosling is just like, she's fucking dead, man. What are you talking about? They're dead. They're like freaking out and screaming. And then all of a sudden, 
Amelia herself just plops herself down on their car and passes out. Well, no. Okay. (laughs) Well, what happens is... Oh, no. She knocks herself out. Yes, because what happens is she goes to shoot at both Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling and doesn't know that guns have a kickback. Right. And Kylia hits herself in the face. I remember now. So, yeah, they they found her. Uh, so they take Amelia back to the March household with Holly and her friend having like a sleepover, which is, I mean, great timing, guys. Great. Good. Good job. Good job. <laughs> well, it's so <laughs> funny because Ryan Gosling's like, didn't they, weren't you going to go stay at her house? And she goes, we were, but her sister was having a boy over. <laughs> Ryan Gosling Fucking this. slut. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck, dude? Um so yeah, Amelia goes back to the house. She wakes up. She's kind of freaking out, but she gives the guys more insight into the conspiracy. You know, she says her mom is... A fascist. Yeah, and she sent all these guys after her to kill her. And the movie that they made, which was totally not a porno, guys. It's totally not a porno. Independent. It's independent. Yeah, it's... it's it, Amelia was saying that this film they made exposed this conspiracy that had to do with the government and the, the auto industry i don't know and in the environment i don't know guys i don't care it doesn't matter the point is this is a conspiracy and they didn't want the film the experimental film to get out there because it exposed the conspiracy so amelia says that her mom sent all these goons out to kill everybody that had anything to do with the movie including her so they're like whoa that's a lot of information okay you just chill out for a second and march is gonna go in the other room and call the hot assistant lady because this girl just told you that her mom is part of a massive conspiracy to kill everyone involved in this movie most of the people that are involved in the movie are dead so i mean there's evidence to support this well in the same so maybe just take a breath before you call the hot assistant lady to the potential bad guy well in the same breath amelia is um a basket case a basket case doesn't seem like she'd be the most reliable source of information every third word out of her mouth is fascism and fascist and right fair fair she's a hippie okay i get it but like maybe just take a second before you attempt to use this girl to get yourself some ass that's all I'm saying. Just take a second. Well, <laughs> but no, he doesn't. He calls Tally and tells her Amelia's in the house. And Tally's like, okay, I'm going to send the family doctor over to your house to check on Amelia. And meanwhile, I need you and your friend Jack to come over here so I can give you a suitcase full of money to give to Judith. Just because... And they don't find that suspicious at all. <laughs> They're like, okay, sure. Ryan Gosling falls asleep at the wheel. Because drunk, sure. Uh, and then he hallucinates about a giant bee because we established earlier that he's scared of bees. Okay. I totally forgot about that in the movie. So when there was literally a giant talking bee in the backseat of the car, I was very confused. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> what the fuck am I looking at? It's, I give this movie credit because every little joke no matter how minute it seems to come back later and get like a, a tur- like a circle like a full circle joke like oh, i well, appreciate that well shane black is very good at that at the like little details that he brings back around for no other reason just to fuck around and yeah so they crash the car turns out there's no money in the suitcase 
yeah it's just shredded paper and they're like oh fuck so the light bulb comes on tally gave them this suitcase full of money to distract them and get them away from the house so they immediately turn their asses around and go back to the house unfortunately they are not in time to stop john boy from entering their abode and john boy is played by matt bomer He's done mostly TV, I would say. Yeah, he's been in... Uh, he had that show White Collar. Yeah, that's where I knew him from. But again, we have another 2023 Oscar time connection here. He uh, is in the movie Maestro that's coming out with Bradley Cooper. And I believe he plays Bradley Cooper's secret gay love interest in the movie. Ah. So that'll be fun. That comes out in December. That'll be fun for everyone. But it's very it's a biopic, black and white, very classy. That'll be fun to watch. But yeah, it's uh, it's yeah. strange that so many fucking what? I was gonna say hopefully it's better than Tar. Um Well I think it'll be better than Tar. Uh, I mean hopefully i don't know i think the only problem we're gonna have is it's very clear at this point that bradley cooper is like please give me an oscar please, please. <laughs> i worked so hard you fucked me over with goddamn <laughs> star is born give me an oscar already <laughs> at least a nomination <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> w- wouldn't be hysterical Yes, if he didn't get anything. If he doesn't get anything. He directed it. He starred in it. He probably fucking cooked the craft services for it. He did everything for this movie and he's going to get fucked over again. That would be sickly hilarious. Well, wouldn't that be sickly hilarious? And then Jack Black wins an Oscar for Peaches. That would just be hilarious regardless of what happens. But I will say I, I think Peaches will be on the short list for original song nomination. Will it win? No, you fucking idiot. I hope. I but want if it, it does, it would be fucking incredible. I, I want. If he got nominated, that would also be. Just picked every time Jack Black has a movie, no matter how Oscar nominated ridiculous Jack it is. Black. Oscar nominated Jack Black. That would be great. Good for him. He's not going to win, though. I just want him in the Bowser suit. Fine. If it, if it got nominated, I would be okay with that. Because then you would get that oscar performance because you know jack black could not stay away from that he'd be like i get to perform at the oscars who allowed this <laughs> and he'll just go out there in his bowser suit and sit at the piano and sing peaches for two minutes it'll be great we'll all have a good time um anyway back to the movie that we're talking about <laughs> so john boy's at the at the house with holly and her little friend and holly is a smart motherfucker so she immediately kind of catches on that this guy is not a doctor. No. <laughs> not a doc. And she holds a gun on him and he ends up throwing her friend through a fucking window, well, which is totally fine. Well, because her friend's a fucking idiot. Well, her friend. All right. Her friend is a child. <laughs> like an actual child. Doesn't mean. Like a 12 year old. Doesn't mean you're not an idiot. Like no, it does. <laughs> I don't think we should be expected, like as twelve-year-olds, to know the ins and outs of like combat or say- espionage with a fucking serial I'm, killer. I'm not saying combat or espionage. Well, you're like she's an idiot because she tried to get away. No, 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 no. no. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Let me actually explain why she's an idiot sure. before you get into this. Sure. So Holly. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> Holly has a gun on 
John boy. Right. And he's got his hands up. And what does her friend do? Her friends decide she's going to run in between them, mm-hmm. allowing John Boy to grab her. Right. So that's the. She could have ran behind Holly. She could have ran in the other direction. Well, she you know, she ran in between them. Okay, but like, Idiots. so you're saying you're saying that her stupidity as a twelve year old who was scared because there was a serial killer in her midst. You think that that justifies calling her an idiot? Yes. <laughs> so what you're saying is you think this 12 year old child deserved to be picked up by a serial killer no, no, and no. chucked out of a window is that what you're, you you condone violence against children <laughs> no, is that what you're saying no that is not what i'm saying oh I, it seems like that's what you're saying i'm just saying she's an idiot oh okay doesn't mean i great. condone violence on children great I'm saying <laughs> i don't know it kind of sounds like you do but <laughs> i'm just calling her an idiot for making a very dumb decision right but that dumb decision leads to her getting thrown out of a window Yes, it does. So she deserved it. No, right, she, got it. I didn't say you she deserved it. You heard first. Scott said the child deserved it. Anyway, moving on. So <laughs> this leads to a gunfight, of course, because both Healy and March show, show back up. Yeah. And they're shooting. A palm tree falls down. Amelia decides, I'm going to bolt. Hops out the window. Super smart. Super smart. But yeah, March even here, Ryan Gosling, he has a great moment where he's just like the human incarnation of like a scared cartoon character. <laughs> Every time something happens, he's like, ah, Jesus! <laughs> well, yeah, because at one point he goes, throw me that gun! And Healy overthrows him out the way. He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, and then Holly gives him her gun that she had and she's like literally pointing it at him. She's like, here, Dad, take it. He's like, what the fuck? But yeah, they have a gunfight with John Boy. He ends up getting away. Amelia bolts, and she actually ends up flagging down John Boy's car unknowingly, and she immediately gets shot and killed. And they have like a really sad, kind of somber moment because obviously the main thrust of the plot up to this point was finding and protecting Amelia, and they failed. And it actually happened right by the empty lot that used to be holland march's house with his family there's just like one moment where he ryan gosling is just standing outside of the empty lot staring at it and just like a lonely single tear streaming down his face it does say a lot about i think ryan gosling as an actor that while this performance is mostly comedic there is drama mixed in but when you know ryan gosling is needed in a pinch for his dramatic gravitas he can bring it in a second and then kind of ease right back into the comedy. It was just a really underrated moment, I think, in the movie. Indeed. So after that, the guys do feel pretty defeated, you know, against this huge government conspiracy. Ugh, they don't really know what to do. And then they see a flyer for the Los Angeles Auto Show. And they realize, because on this flyer, there is a mention of... Uh, a movie being showed by none other than Chet, well, uh, who is the projectionist at the L.A. Auto Show. Well, there's this whole thing with, like, they figure out that Chet's showing this movie. Fucking Chet. Fucking <laughs> Chet. And, like, they figure out, like, the whole mystery about, like, oh... How this old lady saw Misty Mountain. One of them, either Amelia or Chet, was at Misty's house looking at the film to make sure that that was the right film. And that's how 
the old lady mrs glenn saw it projected on the wall and saw misty after her death obviously and then somehow chet got his hands on the film and now he's going to show it at the la auto show so everybody you know packs up gets their ass in the car and goes to the la auto show there was such a funny moment where she's like so my so my niece is dead and then ryan gosling goes yes god and they're like dude calm down and he's like oh yes she she was murdered yes (laughs) like oh my god this is fucking insane so yeah they go to the la auto show to find chet and find this film tally shows up the assistant and she intercepts everything holds a gun on them there's this great scene which i feel like is also kind of an iconic scene from the movie where tally's holding a gun on them holly the child mind you they brought a child to this auto show where there's a conspiracy and people with guns and shit this is no it's fine so well okay (laughs) it's fine scott don't worry about it well you you gotta think where like she's not an idiot child so she won't hopefully get thrown through a window or shot or murdered well no well you know but no one would possibly hold a gun on a child that will never happen in this movie (laughs) nope not any time at all later in the movie will a child be held at gunpoint that's just too far for these government conspiracy <laughs> fucking murders well it's so funny because ryan gosling at first he goes tally somebody replaced the suitcase of money with like <laughs> oh my god he's so blinded by ass but yeah the he's like no you're not a murderer tally you're a good person and russell crowe's just like she just told us how she murdered three people before this like what are you talking he's like no 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 but like deep down you're a good person it's like really funny so yeah holly comes in in this kind of iconic moment and she throws coffee on tally and it's cold and she's like why would you just throw cold coffee on me and she's like i i thought it would be hot i just assumed sorry <laughs> and ryan gosling's like good job honey that could have really worked out and then all of a sudden like you know a stroke of luck it happens tally slips on the coffee falls down hits her head and she knocks herself out and ryan gosling's like oh never mind that worked out fine <laughs> oh my and then god they go off looking for chatting this whole scene has so many great moments. Oh yeah! Oh, I forgot about the ankle gun part. That's because really, brought, that's really good. Because Ryan Gosling, at one point when Tally's holding a gun on him, jumps down and grabs at Russell Crowe's ankle, and Russell Crowe's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And he goes, "You told me you had an ankle gun." He goes, "No, I've never had an ankle gun." He goes, "Did I just imagine that?" <laughs> You're like, "Oh, did I dream that?" Yes, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Oh, God. So they get away from Tally, and they go off trying to find Chet again. And they split up. So no one's even watching the 13-year-old child. But Okay, whatever. Keith David's there, guys. Oh, my God. Who would have thought that? Oh, my God. And then he sees Holly. And he's like, hey, I know you. And she's like, hey, I know you. And he's like, you want to come here so I can hold a gun on you? And she's like, sure. Sure, no problem. So he goes... <laughs> He then takes Holly by gunpoint, goes up to her dad, who is at the bar. Hmm, Oh, no. With his glasses on. Right. His drunk guy glasses. And says, I got a gun on your daughter's spine. You better come with me. And March turns around and immediately is acting "Ah, wacky. And we're like, fuck. He's fucking drunk. This piece of fucking shit. Oh, my God. Again. And then Keith David takes him to the roof. And he's basically chastising Ryan Gosling. He's like, why would you even bring your daughter here? Like, what kind of father are you? And Ryan Gosling starts weeping, 
and sobbing and crying and he tearfully apologizes to holly and then says duck and she's like what and he's like duck and then he punches keith david out and they start fighting you're like ah he was just playing drunk yay he's made a turnaround he's realized his value (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he, the lesson has maybe been learned here. Maybe. Possibly. Yay. We'll see in the future. And then, yeah, they fight. They have a great moment where Ryan Gosling and Keith David both fall off the roof. And at the same time they fall, Keith David splats in a big puddle of blood on the concrete. And Ryan Gosling falls in the pool. And it's like, ooh, that was a good moment. Oh, my God. As this is all going on, they figure out... Th- the film is spliced into the other film. So Holly and Tally, after she wakes up, are now fighting over the film. Holly ends up throwing it out the window, basically. Yeah, she's like, guys, catch! And uh, Ryan Gosling ends up chasing after a guy. and He ends up getting a hold of it, and he takes this as a real big success story. He's very proud of himself. He got the fucking film. He won. He did it. Meanwhile, Jackson is on the roof, some other part of the roof, fighting John Boy. And he knocks him out and he is going to go and kill him. And then Holly shows up and she's like, you don't have to do this. You don't have to kill him. If you kill him, I'll never speak to you again. And he's like, fuck. And then he goes to hit him. and He's like, congratulations, man. You owe your life to a 13 year old girl and then knocks his ass out. And it's like, oh, both our guys have learned their lesson. Ryan Gosling walks up and like looks up at the roof and he shows them the film. He's like Bender in fucking Breakfast Club with his fists in the air like, I did it. We did it. It's fine. Oh, my God. Eventually, they go to the Supreme Court or wherever they're going. Yeah, because Judith ends up getting arrested for the whole conspiracy. And she's like, oh, nothing's really going to change because the government... But it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, this story isn't about the conspiracy. It's about these two guys who are incredibly flawed, as Scotty said, who have kind of had a turnaround and have become the nice guys in some weird, crazy way. And we get our our epilogue of sorts and they're working together now as PIs, the nice guys agency. We got Jack. We got March. They're they're doing well. They're doing good together. It's Christmas time because it's a Shane Black movie. So every Shane Black movie is a Christmas movie somehow. That's right. The Nice Guys is a Christmas movie. Shut up. And yeah, it's it's great. It's super fun. We are that at. was the Nice Guys. Yeah. We sometimes find it hard to do straight comedies on this show. Because there's only so many times you can just say, like, oh, that was really funny. Oh, that was really funny. And we did say that a few times in this review. However, I feel like this movie and this script is about more than just the jokes. It truly is about the characters. It's about Russell Crowe as Jack and Ryan Gosling as Holland and wanting them to be better and be the nice guys and their chemistry together and the way they bounce off of each other it's just really fun to watch it's very electric when you watch them together on screen and yeah you just root for them yeah you definitely do this is Shane Black at his best when he does these type of movies and it's witty and you get the actors are buying in 
and everyone has this great chemistry and it works so well. This movie was really fun. Uh, I gave it a four out of five stars. Scott, what did what did you give it? I am also at a four out of five. Excellent. I feel like it's a sleeper. Not a lot of people talk about it because it's not, you know, a fucking Marvel movie or, a, you know, superhero or like a Twilight or a fuck. You know what I mean? It's not like a franchise thing. No. It's just a fun one off one off thing. As much as I said I would like a sequel, it's only because I really liked their chemistry together and stuff. But you can just watch the movie again if you want to see more of them. Just watch the movie a second time like I did. It was really fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I definitely would recommend watching this and having a good time. Just go in there and just enjoy these characters. Because these might be some of the best characters Shane Black has ever actually had. Sure, I would actually... Yeah, sure. I would agree with that. Uh, are you sure the uh, the Mandarin in Iron Man 3 isn't up there for you, Scott? <laughs> the, 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 well, that's a whole fucking... <laughs> We're not getting into the Mandarin here. Oh, God. Okay, so next week we're actually taking some time off. We've kind of been on go for quite a while now with, you know, all the Disney stuff and all the Halloween stuff and casino and this we need nay we deserve a week off before we get into the holiday times yes we have to start preparing our bodies for an influx of turkey and stuffing and gravy yes we we definitely need off for for thanksgiving to enjoy that time with our families so make sure everybody out there all our american listeners have a good thanksgiving with your family uh, keep it thankful. Keep it stuffed with turkey. And we will be back the week after that to start the wintry fun times uh, with a Disney movie, of course. We're going to wrap up our Disney series. Ah, uh, What's the most wintry Disney movie you can think of, guys? Guess what? That's the one we're doing. Uh- <laughs> Jungle Book. Uh, Elemental. No. <laughs> um so yeah get ready for that and then we're gonna have some holiday flicks and it's gonna be a fun time all right so until then this has been shoot the flick i'm frankie sparks and i'm scott eisenberg uh make sure you check us out on instagram and twitter at shoot the flick and check out all of our episodes on itunes spotify google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast and make sure you come back in a couple of weeks for our chilly holiday cheery movie adventure. Let's go solve the mystery. Ooh, Scooby Dooby Doo. <laughs> Where are you? If you like Pina Colada.